You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. Greetings and salutations. My name is Mike Ufferman. I work with the Ministry of Zion's Hope. We're going to continue our series today that we've been following regarding um, Christ yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, So far in the past, we've dealt with um, Jesus in the pre-incarnate Son of God aspect as we've covered this topic of Christ yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, In previous sessions, we've had, I believe, six other sessions prior to this one. We were talking about Christ and that he existed before creation. We talked about him as instrumental in the creation. We saw that he was in the Old Testament, but he was seen there as the angel of the Lord. And we knew that as we looked at these various appearances in Scripture, because this person, whoever this person was, was actually very clearly God in the flesh. And we would say that God is three parts in one. The triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. God the Father basically being the soul, the mind, the will, the emotions of God. God the Son would be the physical manifestation of God. And then God the Spirit, of course, would be the Spirit of God. Now, we don't have the physical manifestation of God as we know him, Jesus, the baby, conceived in the womb of Mary until, of course, he was conceived in the womb. So prior to that, though, he still existed in a physical form, and that would be known as the angel of the Lord. Of course, as the angel of the Lord, he had all of the God capabilities, though, of travel throughout um, throughout time, throughout eternity, throughout location. It didn't matter. There were no limitations to what he was capable of doing in physical form as he was pre-incarnate. Uh, we also talked then about uh, his conception into, into humanity and how Mary, this virgin Miriam, was uh, overshadowed by the Spirit of God to conceive the God-man in her womb. A very important concept there because the sin of Adam is passed down through the men. If you've got a biological father, then you have the sin nature of Adam in you. But Jesus did not have an earthly biological father. His biological father was God the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit overshadowing Mary. And so he was God through the Father's side, but yet he was human through Mary and the lineage of Mary which we know met all of the criteria from Abraham down all the way through to King David. There's criteria there, and she would have been part of that lineage, as would Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, who uh, had that same rights to the lineage of the kingship through um, Joseph. However, uh, there was a curse in Joseph's line that would have prevented him from actually being the king of Israel. And then we also discussed the testimony of Jesus about himself. We discussed his nature during the life that he lived. We see that addressed in scripture. We discussed his death and his burial and resurrection. And so you can go back through um, the study and see the first six parts, one through six, 
on this topic, but today we're going to move on. And we move on into now what I'm calling part seven, the post-incarnate Son of God. In other words, uh, God in the flesh after he was now dead and buried and now we'll discuss the resurrection. And we see this as Jesus meets the women as they return from the garden tomb. And we'll be in Matthew 28, and we'll just pick this up in verse 5. And so as we look at this passage of Scripture, we see that uh, the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. Now, this was just, and I, <laughs> I don't mean any offense to angels, but this was just an angel, a messenger of God. It was not uh, Jesus in the flesh at this point in time. But it says here, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He's not here, for he is risen. And he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay. And so the women have been invited to go then into that tomb, and are able to see that the body of Jesus was not there. And then the angel says, And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And so now we can see very clearly that this person, Jesus, who was human in every way, who was beaten, who was crucified, who died, who was buried in the grave, now demonstrates who he really is because now he's capable of defeating even death. And he's able to come back to life. And as he comes back to life, then that also allows there for, uh, to be promises that are fulfilled that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody goes unto the Father but by him. That his death, his burial, his resurrection in particular were the ones that paid for and sealed the deal on the salvation that you and I can have through faith in Jesus Christ. His blood was shed on the cross on our behalf. His burial is the burial that we should have been buried into. His resurrection as the firstborn among many brethren will identify that in fact we too with faith, faith in Christ will one day be risen from the dead as well. Some wonderful promises there. And so the women are told that, uh, they are, that Jesus is going to go into Galilee. So keep in mind now, at this moment that these angels are seen there in the area of Jerusalem. Um, I personally believe very near, if not in that garden tomb area that's there today, uh, not where the church of the uh, sepulcher, Holy Sepulchre is located. I don't believe that's the right area. Um, however, somewhere in that vicinity of the garden tomb, I believe would be the area where this would have taken place. And there's a whole multitude of reasons for that. Maybe we'll discuss that some other time. But uh, they're told then that Jesus is going to go before them and in, in, in particular before the apostles into the region of Galilee and there they will see him, lo, I have told you. And then in verse 8, it continues on and it says, and they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy. You can understand that. Um, the two sides of that equation, what have we just seen? And they're filled with fear. I'm sure their hearts were racing and yet great joy because they actually were able to see that Christ had in fact risen from the dead and he wasn't there. And they did run to bring his disciples word. 
And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them. So again, we had the angel first and now Jesus meeting them saying, all hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. And so here he had been dead, had been buried, had been in the grave for those three days. He can now come back to life again and they are physically able to touch him, to hold him by the feet and worship him. So this is not just some spiritual manifestation of Jesus. This is a physical resurrection, physical manifestation of Jesus. And if you think about it, if it had been Jesus just coming out of the grave and nothing uh, supernatural had happened, in other words, that uh, he had been crucified, he'd been put in the grave, they didn't, uh, they didn't do such a good job of, of, well, of cleaning him up. They covered him over with all kinds of preparatory items. He would have been covered with just the burial shrouds. He would have been covered with the burial uh, materials that would have been used to preserve his body, uh, to keep it from smelling. Uh, there was a whole process that would have been done uh, there by um, those who prepared his body at his burial. And so he was in normal, perfect condition as he was raised. Uh, had he risen from the dead in human form and not in God form, in, in physical form though, he would have not been able to walk very likely. He would have been scarred, uh, certainly because of the terrible beating. And yet here these women only choose to hold him by his feet. You would think that they would have had to lift him up, to hold him, to support him, to help him walk. Uh, they would have probably tended to his wounds. There's none of that. They see him, they hold him by the feet, and they worship him. And so this is clearly a resurrection completely, a perfect healing completely. Um, one who has overcome the power of death certainly uh, can also then issue new life to his own body. And we have that promise too someday in the future that when we are raised from the dead, we will be in glorified bodies. We will not have cancer anymore. We will not have uh, fake hips anymore. We won't have memory loss anymore. We won't have any of the problems that, that assail us in this life today. And so then Jesus said unto them, uh, be not afraid, go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee and there they uh, shall see me. And so we know that um, as a result of that resurrection, uh, we also know that Jesus was seen by over 500 people during the next 40 days after his resurrection. And uh, we've got multiple accounts of that. And we're able to see this now, again, pre-incarnate angel of the Lord, pre-creation Jesus, who was there for creation. And now post having been in this world alive, now post death burial and now in the resurrection, we have testimony in the book of Acts in chapter one. And uh, there it's written that the former treatise that I have made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. And so now we are getting information about what happened after his resurrection and what happened uh, until the day that he was taken up. So we know that he was here for a span of time. And we also know then that he was taken up in physical form uh, into heaven. 
After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. And so there were things that Jesus did specifically that are being outlined here. And in essence, the guidelines of how they should live and what they should preach and what they should teach from those days forward. And so um, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, in other words, after his death, his burial, his, res his resurrection, um, had shown himself alive by many infallible proofs. And so some of those proofs we would have seen in scripture to where he's able to uh, enter into a room that's locked. He would have been able to eat fish. He would have been able to be touched by the women. He would have been able to be touched by Thomas who felt the wounds in his hand and in his side. And so there are many infallible proofs that yes, in fact, he was risen from the dead in physical form. And he was seen of them for 40 days, speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we also have some more text there regarding his resurrection. And we see that Paul is talking about, he delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died, Paul clearly knowing that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And so if none of those things had happened, then Jesus would not be God. If none of those things had happened, then Jesus would not have been God in the flesh. If Jesus was still in the grave, then all of our hope would be gone. But we also know that according to Paul, that uh, he was seen of Cephas, that's Peter, um, that he was seen of the 12, the apostles. And keep in mind that um, there had been uh, 11 apostles at one point in time, um, because Judas Iscariot had gone and, and hung himself and had killed himself. Um, but then there was another one that was chosen after that. And after that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once. And so some people say that this is some kind of a, a psychotic episode amongst the people, some kind of a crowd um, hallucination. Um, but they were seen uh, uh, 500. But then also these other apostles were seen in different, were seeing him in different locations than where those 500 may have been, of whom the greater part remain until this present, but some are fallen asleep. And so as this passage is being written, you would have been able to go find those that had actually seen Jesus and verify that what Paul is actually saying is true. So we know that he rose in physical form, just the same as he was in physical form before creation. He was in physical form at creation. He was in physical form as the angel of the Lord. He was in physical form as a baby and as the young teenager Jesus and as Jesus who walked the earth and spread his gospel message of repent for the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, we know that now he's back again in physical form at his resurrection. And so the question then would be, well, where is Christ now? And so we know, as we read earlier on, that it talked about these things in Acts had been written um, so that we can see what was, was going on up until his ascension. And so we see again, picking up in Acts chapter one, picking up in verse seven, it says, and he said unto them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the father hath put in his own power. So, of course, the apostles are very curious. Are you going to have a kingdom now? Uh, are you staying here with us now? What is the plan now? <laughs> We're your football team. Uh, what, what's the next play, coach? What's the next play, quarterback? And so um, he says, it's not for you to know. 
Um, you know what you need to know at this point in time. He, they got their marching orders. They were going to be given their marching orders during those 40 days. And so God the Father had it in his power as to what would happen next. And Jesus says in verse 8, but ye shall receive power. And so we know that that power that they're going to receive is at the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God comes upon all believers for the first time. In the past, prior to the day of Pentecost, uh, God's Spirit only came upon certain people. And then we, we see that in Scripture. Uh, Saul, uh, King Saul for a while, King David, uh, some of the uh, prophets of old um, had the Spirit of God upon them as well. But here now, um, the believers in Christ who were trusting in his death, burial, resurrection, those of the Old Testament and the New Testament as well, um, they were going to receive power, and that power would come after the Holy Ghost is to come upon you. And so uh, over time, that's been manifested in different ways, certainly extremely powerfully in the early New Testament days. And then um, God certainly has the power to do those things today as he chooses to do that. But it says here, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And when you consider that this is just a small group of men basically there in, in the region of, of Galilee and the region of Judea to think that they're going to be spreading this message worldwide, even to the world that they knew nothing about, that's an amazing statement. And yet uh, you, wherever you are, I'm sitting here in Winter Garden, Florida. I've traveled uh, in Central and South America. I've traveled over to Europe. I've been in numerous places throughout this world, and, and the Spirit of God is there, and there are believers who are indwelt by His Spirit in all of these places I've ever been, the places that I've had the privilege to speak and to preach. Uh, Spain, I think of, Panama, the jungles of Panama, literally I've been able to speak and the Spirit of God was there as well. Go figure, right? And yet they're being told that this is what's going to happen. And um, by a physical incarnate, post-incarnate Son of God. In other words, he's now dead, burial, resurrected. Now he's no longer only simply in human form, but he is God in physical manifestation form here. And they're told that they're going to go into Judea, Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, in other words, they're seeing him physically, they were just there talking with him physically, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. And so here we have a promise. We've had lots of promises in Scripture. And those promises had to be fulfilled to begin with, with the first coming of Christ. And so we now have the end of this first coming of Christ, but the end comes with a promise that he will come again. And so we wait for that day. We expect that day to come sometime as we get older in the less and less distant future, those days ahead. In the book of Hebrews in chapter 9, looking in verse 24, also regarding this situation of the ascension, says, Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true. So in other words, Christ is no longer here 
uh, in churches, in synagogues, in temples made by the hands of men, which are the figures of the true. In other words, they're copies of those things that were in heaven. But into heaven itself, that's where Christ is now. Now to appear in the presence of God for us. And so he sits there, he's, on our, uh, he's there interceding on our behalf. And so how do we know that is actually true, though? Has anybody actually seen him after his ascension? And we have that uh, spoken of, first of all, by Christ himself in the Gospels, in the book of Luke in chapter 22 there. And he was asked the question, art thou the Christ? Tell us. And he said unto them, if I tell you, you uh, ye will not believe. And if I ask you, ye will not answer me, nor let me go. But then he says, hereafter shall the Son of Man sit on the right hand of the power of God. And according to the people that would have been hearing at that moment in time, that would have been a blasphemous statement because he was saying of himself that though he was the Son of Man, he was also going to sit at the right hand. The only place for the right hand of God is for the Son of God and that he was going to sit there at the right hand of the power of God. And then they said, uh, then said they all, Art thou the Son of God? And he said unto them, Ye say that I am. And so they were saying that he was even behind the scenes that this is the Son of God. And yet when it came time to make the bold statement and profess it out loud, um, they refused to do so. So he was even looking in their heart and saying, You know that I am, and yet you still say I'm not, and you reject me. Uh, and uh, remember Stephen, Stephen was being stoned. He had given a great testimony about uh, Jesus and he was uh, about to be stoned. And so when they heard these things that Stephen had said, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. You know, you, know, you can, can see the grimaces on their face because they're feeling that uh, based upon their theology, not the biblical theology, but their theology, the theology that had been taught to them by the priests of that day, the, the teachers of that day, uh, their theology was that Jesus was just human. And they hadn't recognized their own Messiah. And that's one of the reasons that Zion's Hope, this ministry exists that I work with, is because we're trying to teach the Jewish people that their Messiah has already come. And there's nothing more Jewish than to recognize your Messiah and that he's already been here and he, he was crucified and he died and he was buried, but he rose from the dead on their behalf as well as for the Gentiles. Um, but here it goes on and it says, but he being full of the Holy Ghost, talking about Stephen, looked up steadfastly into heaven. So I asked the question earlier, has anybody seen Jesus after he ascended into heaven? And here we have uh, Stephen and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Interestingly, Jesus said that he would be seated at the right hand of God. And yet as one of his own is being stoned to death, Stephen is able to see Jesus standing on the right hand of God on Stephen's behalf. And Stephen said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And those people would have known that he was referring to Jesus because they had heard that very same testimony of Jesus not too much earlier 
um, before this scenario with Stephen. And then they stoned Stephen as he called upon God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin on their charge. It sounds like uh, Jesus even on the cross, doesn't it? And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And so we know that he died. And so quite the testimony there. Even Paul has a testimony about having seen Jesus. You might recall in 1 Corinthians 15, it says that uh, after that, he was seen above 500 uh, brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain uh, unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. And after that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And so again, reflecting back to Galilee, when they would have seen him. And the last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. Now, you can ask when was Paul able to see Jesus? And so we can look at his testimony in Acts chapter 9, and we'll pick it up in verse 3. And it says, and as he journeyed, Paul journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and Paul fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul. Ah, this is before he was given the name Paul. Uh, eventually his name was changed to Paul, but the voice said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Well, who was Saul chasing after? He was a Pharisee. He was trying to find anybody who was of the way, those that were following after Jesus. And he was going to have them tried and even have them put to death because of their faith in Jesus, which was a step away from what the Pharisaical perception was of the faith of the Jewish people. And so Jesus, though, was the one that was being persecuted by Saul. And so Jesus says, why persecutest thou me? So knowing that Saul is going after those that we would call Christians today, um, it's obvious that he's saying, in other words, you're going after those people, but in reality, you're persecuting me. And so he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord answered and said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And so you've clearly butted up against the wrong guy, Paul, Saul. And so, but it's a very clear statement. And so he's blinded there. Um, but yet the person that he's talking to is, is uh, Jesus. And so he trembled and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision. So now Ananias has seen Jesus in a vision. Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here. And then in verse 15, he picks up and he says, But the Lord said unto him, talking to Ananias, Go thy way, for he's a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And so Ananias now knows what the mission of Saul is, and so he still needs to go talk to him. And he said, God says, For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Verse 17, then Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, now it's confirmed twice that it was Jesus that had been speaking to Saul, 
Uh, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way, so we know that appeared to him that Saul would have seen him, as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from him his eye, or fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And so here we see the physical manifestation again. Not at before creation, not at creation, not as the angel of the Lord, not in uh, the womb, uh, not in the baby Jesus, not in the teenager Jesus, not in the adult Jesus, now having been buried, having been crucified, now risen from the dead, we have Christ yesterday, consistently throughout the scriptures, and we will continue to talk about Christ then in our next session. It's going to be part eight uh, as we discuss Christ in the future. So yesterday and then with that resurrection, uh, with him seated at the right hand of the Father, he's there now. He's there today. So yesterday, today, and then we'll be discussing uh, tomorrow in our next session. So thank you very much for being here with me. I pray that the Lord will bless you richly as you listen to this and as you study this on your own, on your side. And may the Lord give you insight into his word. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode. 